0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work from the American University of Beirut, where every week I talk with a professor or a scholar about the research they're doing, what they're discovering, why they chose this topic, and what their findings or results mean for the rest of us. I'm your host, Rami Khoury. I'm very pleased to have as my guest this week, Professor Bashar Haider, who's a professor of philosophy. He's also the Muhammad Atallah Chair in Ethics in the Philosophy Department and the Faculty of Arts and Sciences. Bashar, thank you for being with us.
1: Yeah, thank you for inviting me, Ram. It's always a pleasure. I think last time we uh, had a chat, it was about the uh, lockdown and the uh, ethical dilemma of life versus the economy. Uh, Yeah, well, uh,
0: yeah, one of the things I liked about uh, chatting with you is, you know, people think of philosophy as, you know, Plato and Aristotle and all this stuff, and what does it mean? What I like about your work is you you addressed real issues of, of moral philosophy uh, and real-life issues uh, today. And in fact, that what I want to ask you about is, in your general interest in moral philosophy, what is your latest um, research and study uh, going on? It's, I know you're doing something about alleviating harm and the responsibility to alleviate harm. So tell us about what you're doing, and, and then we'll discuss what it means for the rest of us. Yeah,
1: yeah. to be fair to Aristotle and Plato, I think they were, Very relevant for their time and relevant even for later, but even they were addressing issues, you know, practical issues during their day, so they were not, they they would have an audience, uh, interested audience, they were not just simply, you know, talking uh, about abstract things, although they had a lot of abstract things to say about. But, presu- but but yeah but but yeah we're trying to, we're trying to be relevant as as moral philosophers philosophers in general to to the to the to the conditions we live in
0: yeah. yeah presumably one of the things that's fascinating about philosophy is by nature it deals with with issues that are kind of universal and timeless
1: right yeah yeah but but uh, but I would like to think that these timeless things uh, must uh, be applicable to actually to events and things around us. So the, the principles might be to some extent timeless, but the application at least should be uh, uh, more concrete, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, well, that's why we have professors like you to tell us about it. So tell tell me uh, what, what is it that you're looking at in this uh, focus on alleviating harm?
1: Uh, well, to put in more g- general terms, so the, the problem uh, or the question I'm interested in is the following. Uh, it's concerned with the prevention or alleviation of harm, mm-hmm. uh, and the 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 issue is how should we uh, allocate responsibilities or duties for preventing or alleviating harm. I will drop preventing and talk about alleviating, but it should be t- thought as the as together, you know. But just to 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 save time, so I'll talk about alleviating harm. So the question is. Uh, Alleviating harm requires resources, time, money, effort, and others. And therefore, those who will engage in alleviating harm must put these resources. And therefore, the question becomes: Who should carry the burden of providing these resources? And on what grounds do we uh, allocate uh, these burdens on different individuals or collectivities? Could be, you know, a, a person could be a group, a country. Uh, uh, international organization, international company. So we're We're looking at how different groups, individuals, entities uh, uh, should behave with regard to harm alleviation and how much they should put down resources for that purpose. So now, if by you're, harm, if, yeah, you're starting,
0: if you're talking about alleviating harm in today's world, what are you talking about? Climate change or lack of well, water?
1: Yeah, I mean, harms, you know, come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, uh, but the most salient ones, one would say the world we live in, the harms caused by extreme poverty, by climate change, by wars, uh, historical injustice, colonialism that, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. for example, uh, the harm that resulted from it, uh, slavery, uh, all kinds of harm currently happening or happened in the past but continue to have their impact right. uh, until now so, uh, uh, so so these are the kind of salient harms as you as you uh, you would say but we can also talk about less salient less uh, globally reaching harms but right. in general the, uh, uh, you can look at any harm especially significant harms such as those resulting from extreme poverty or wars or climate change and right. think of who should carry the burden of alleviating that harm, And right. how do you allocate those burdens on what on what basis? So that's the, the, the question that I'm mainly interested in. And I mean, in that question, I focus on a particular aspect of it. At yes. least recently, I've been focusing on the particular aspect of the way we allocate those responsibilities for alleviating harm.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So give us give, give an example. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let me, before I give you an example, let me say... Immediately what comes to mind, if you think who should alleviate harm, there are two kind of factors or principles that right. jump jump immediately in, in front of us as, as relevant for allocating harm, for allocating the responsibility to alleviate harm.
0: Right.
1: One is capacity. You know, if you if you are resourceful and you can alleviate the harm, then you have more responsibility, more duty to do so than those who are less resourceful. So if you're... If you can do it with less burden on you and more efficiently than others, then you have more of a duty to alleviate the harm. So if you are the best swimmer on the beach and there is a person about to drown, then you have more responsibility to go and help than others who are less efficient and who can do a a, a less good job in it. So capacity. So you can say a, a, a country like, say, Norway or Switzerland have more responsibility to alleviate harm done in, say, Somalia by donating money okay. or uh, dance, for example, Moldova. Uh, okay. so, so that would be a kind of capacity based principle for So, those who can have more responsibility to, to do it, to alleviate the harm. And that's one, one aspect that most people would say, yes, it is a relevant factor for allocating responsibility to alleviate harm. The, 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 the other one is uh, uh, contribution or culpability. Oh, okay. So if you have, if, so if you have contributed to the harm yourself, uh, then you have, uh, uh, then we, we are, then you should take more of the burden of alleviating the harm that you have contributed to, or you are culpable for. Right. So uh, if you talk about, for example, let's say uh, 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 colonial uh, injustice. So if you right. think that c- current conditions in certain countries now uh, are bad and therefore result in harm to uh, the, the people living there because of the colonial past. Then you might say, well, then those who contributed to that condition, say ex-colonial countries, who were operating in that region or that country, have more responsibility towards alleviating that harm than others. So in this regard, if you look at the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, for example, you might say, well, maybe Norway and South Korea have more capacity than Belgium to alleviate the harm, but Belgium has a contribution-based responsibility that, since they were the colonial power, in right. In the Congo, and therefore they have a responsibility, so I allocate on that on that account on that uh, factor they, they the responsibility for on the Belgians to uh, alleviate harm in Congo is higher than that of south korea or 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 Norway, even though the capacity might be uh, on the capacity scale they they score higher in norway and and south korea so so these are the two factors now that everybody would think they are. Pretty intuitively acceptable. Yes. If you can do it, right. you have more responsibility and if you contribute, have contributed to it, then you are also more responsible to to, to, to do something. So, so now if you want to distribute uh, 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 the duties, uh, 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 proportion them to, to different groups, then those two factors will feature in how you allocate responsibility for alleviating harm.
0: This is based on your scholarly intellectual research as a philosopher. How does well it yes impact,
1: it, how does it is into, into real
0: life situations
1: well i mean these are real life situations in the sense that if you for example let's let's look at uh, uh, you know uh, slavery for example huh? uh, uh, now who should uh, uh, you know uh, pay a reparation uh, for uh, uh, for descendants of slaves who who one would say they have suffered as a result of the long history of slavery which they Inherited many of the social socioeconomic conditions that resulted from it now then you look okay who who can do it? who can pay the reparation, who is yeah. wealthier now, or who has contributed to it? Of course, none of the people living now have contributed directly to it and, right. uh, so in a sense, you don't have contributors now to it, but you have people who relate to contributors, and this is what i 'm talking going to talk about in the other factors right so every Every kind of an issue, even a car accident, you can look at it in the same way. Huh? Uh, yeah. who, sh- who, should ha- who should alleviate the harm done by the car accident? Of course, those who can get them quickly to the hospital, but also more those who also who did the car accident, those who caused the injury. Uh, right. So you can apply it to, at all levels of harm uh, and right. harm alleviation. But of course, if you look at the more, as I said before, the more important issues that facing us now, in uh, uh, this world will be those ones about you know extreme poverty, climate change uh, right. colonial legacy uh, wars, of course, so all of this would be uh, uh, definitely you can easily find examples to it unfortunately there's a lot of harm around, and you yes. will not run out of examples to to illustrate this principle yeah right. so so anyway, so those are the two principles that you know seem to be c- clearly. Uh, uh relevant for assessing uh, our responsibility to for harm alleviation but then there are other there are other two principles which i will talk about i'll focus on the fourth one because this will be my main interest and this is what i'm working on have uh, been working on for the past few years yeah uh now the the third one which i will just s- state briefly is uh, the one based on communal bonds yes. so if you if you are if you have s- s- certain communal bonds with those who are suffering the harm, then you might have more of a responsibility. The burden on you is higher to help them. Mm-hmm. So if if the uh, a child who's about to drown is your nephew, uh, then you have more of a duty to go and uh, try to save than a stranger. Yes. Other things equal, uh, because you have this bond. Right. So if, so you might say, well, maybe... Uh, uh, if you want to talk now about uh, the conditions now in the world, so you might say Polish have more of a duty to uh, host Ukrainians given the uh, uh, neighborly relationships and the long history they share, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And maybe you can say this about, you know, uh, 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 Arabs and the Palestinians, or at least the neighboring Arab countries too. So the the fact that you have a a kind of a close bond for their family uh, region, uh, I, I, other kinds of identity, long history, neighborly relationships. All of these things increase your responsibility to alleviate the harm. Right. Now, not only your bond with the victim increase the responsibility for elevating the harm, but also your bond with the perpetrator. Yes. So if, if, you ha- if you are related to the perpetrator in that kind of communal way, then you also have responsibility to help the victim of of the perpetrator in case the perpetrator relates to you in a special way, yes. so if, uh, 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 if 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 the uh, the person who needs help is is injured by your uh, nephew, then you have more responsibility to help the, the 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 victim. But also uh, 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 because because you have because your nephew is involved in the uh, in the, in the harm so you have a responsibility to do that so maybe maybe your maybe your son here would be more right. more uh, appropriate so if either the victim is related to you in this through this communal bond yes or if the victimizer is re- related to you through the communal bond then some people might say you have a special responsibility to help so the burden on you to help will be greater than a, a mere stranger Right. who is not related to the victim or not related to the victimizer. So right. these special bonds create special responsibilities to right. help. Now, of course, some people might not agree with this and say, well, why should I have a special responsibility because I have a certain bond that I haven't chosen? Right. Uh, I didn't do anything to be related to you. I don't do anything to be your uncle. You know, It's not right. like, uh, so, so why should I be carry any burden to actually compensate for your actions or even to help you when you are in need? You know, I haven't done, I haven't myself done anything to carry this kind of burden. Uh, And of course, I mean, this is open for discussion. I I think uh, our intuitions, at least, is that we, these kinds of bonds carry with them uh, normative and moral consequences, even if they are not chosen. You don't choose your siblings for sure. You don't even decide to have them. Yeah. Uh, but we still think we have a strong response, a strong duty to to uh, help you in times of need right. more than helping uh, uh, others who are not related to us in the same way. as the So this is one illustration. So, yeah,
0: and the fourth one, the communal bonds the fourth is-
1: one. Yeah, the fourth one is the one I want to talk about, to, uh, uh, say more about you today, which is if you are a, a beneficiary of the from the heart, mm. If you have benefited from the harm, although you have not contributed to it, yes. So you are an innocent beneficiary of the harm, and that's right. an interesting category which is not so obviously relevant, but uh, uh, it's not also so obviously irrelevant. So it's it's worth uh, uh, investigating, and right. this is part what you know uh, I would I I I'm, I'm, I try to do is to investigate that factor. What right. does benefiting innocently benefiting from injustice uh, due to your responsibility towards alleviating the harm done by the injustice or by a wrongful act. Yes. Now, 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 sometimes you benefit from injustice, but you are not innocently benefiting. So if I steal your wallet, uh, I am I'm doing an injustice, a wrongful mm-hmm. act, but also benefiting from it. So I'm also yeah. a culpable and a contributor and also a beneficiary. In many cases, they go together. The beneficiary is also a culpable Person or uh, or entity, but sometimes you are a beneficiary without being a culp- without being culpable. You are innocent beneficiary of harm. Right. Now, uh, maybe an example would help. You know, a real example. Right. So you might say you might say that current generations uh, of ex-colonial countries uh, are innocent beneficiaries right. of their colonial past, on the assumption, and I'll make those assumptions. You don't people don't have to agree with them, but let's assume that colonial, uh, uh, the, the, the country in question has a colonial past relationship to a particular region and, and they do, they've done harm and they benefited from it. And that benefit trickled down to generations of colonial countries. So right. they, let's assume they, 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 they generated wealth through their colonialism uh, and colonialism caused harm. Uh, the harm trickled down in the colonized countries, but also the wealth generated trickled down in the colonizing Colonizing, colonizing country. Right. Uh, so, uh, so in a way, current generations of ex-colonial countries have benefited from the colonial past. Yes. But you might think of them now as innocent beneficiaries in the sense that they have not done it themselves. Mm-hmm. In fact, they might even condemn it publicly yes. and say we are ashamed of our colonial past and all of that. Right. And we don't approve of all our practices, but they are, a bene- they are beneficiaries. In right. this sense, they are innocent beneficiaries i mean, to give you so, another more, more, more domestic example. Suppose, right. you know, uh, your uncle bribed the, the college you're applying to uh, to yes. get accepted. You didn't know that. But later in your life, this was revealed that he paid bribes to get you accepted. And then you find that there's a victim of this, somebody who wasn't accepted because you were accepted and yes. hasn't been doing well because of that. And therefore, now you have uh, you disapprove of your uncle's action of, of bribing the, the committee. Uh, but you are still a beneficiary of injustice. You are an innocent beneficiary of injustice, and yeah. that's the kind of category that uh, uh, I'm interested in. It's wow. the less obvious one, and the, it, it, there are some challenges to it as well. But, well we, uh, you know, yeah. one, one of the challenges we have, Basad, is we're running out
0: of time. We only have about four minutes left. So okay. okay. So I'd
1: love to I'd love, to, have,
0: yeah. I'd love to hear your yeah. thoughts. And so when you reach this conclusion after this fascinating analysis of the different dimensions of, uh, of uh, harm and beneficiaries and, and uh, uh, the victims and the perpetrators. So what happens to this uh, conclusion, the, the, the conclusions you draw? I mean, these philosophical analyses must at some point ideally
1: yeah. translate it to laws, no? Yeah, yes of course i mean look let's let's take let's take climate change as, a, as an example huh? yeah. so 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 climate change who should who should pay for saving the the climate uh for for reducing uh called greenhouse uh, the emission of greenhouse gases who mm-hmm. should pay for that who should take the burden of there is a harm and we need to alleviate it we need to stop it from increasing and we need to alleviate what has already happened so who should who should pay for that there are those who contribute but you might say well there are people who contribute in the past, we don't have them now, and those who are contributing now. So right. the ones who are contributing now might be places like India and China, but then they will come back and say, look, but in the past, the main contributors were Western countries right. because they have been ex- doing that since, you know, uh, uh, 19th century, at least, if not more, with the Industrial Revolution uh, right. accumulating uh, 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 and increasing its activities. And then you might say, well, that happened in the past and therefore, uh, they are no longer there to, to, right. to carry the burden. But you might say there are beneficiaries of this, and the beneficiaries are the current citizens of those countries. And, and, and those are the wealth accumulated through the exploitation of, 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 of the ecosystems and nature and right. deforestation and all of these things have, have been, have been uh, uh, important for, or, or, or essential for reducing the wealth that is created in those countries. And therefore, these are beneficiaries now. Okay. Even though they have not contributed, even though they are now doing their best to reduce their gas emissions, but they have benefited from the past exploitation of the environment and they are, in that sense, innocent beneficiaries of past wrongful harms. Right. And so hence, what when, you allocate, when you allocate the burdens, you don't look only at uh, the current emissions, you to look at uh, who has benefited from the past emissions more, and yeah. therefore you adjust your calculation of responsibilities on that basis. Uh, now, of course, innocently benefiting from harm is not always obvious factor. So let me give you an example where things become controversial. Let's imagine a case where uh, uh, country A invades country B, uh, and country B has all resources, and they destroy the, the oil facilities in that in country B. As a right. result, country C, who has oil, Becomes wealthier because now oil is prices increase because no longer right. B is producing, and country C benefits from that. Now here, country C is a beneficiary of wrongful harm. It, country C benefits from this is the case in Ukraine uh, right. in, in in the war in Ukraine. So now because of the sanctions, oil is up. Saudi Arabia makes more money. Yeah. Now now uh, uh, should Saudi Arabia, being a beneficiary of a wrongful harm done, uh, 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 compensate alleviate uh, that harm, yes. should Saudi Arabia pay for Ukraine because they benefit from the fact that uh, uh, the war increased their uh, uh, their wealth? Right. Most people will say no. It's not it's not at all obvious that Saudi Arabia has any special responsibility to alleviate the harm in Ukraine right. simply because they have benefited from it. So 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 that that is where where things become complicated. Wow. When does benefiting from harm? result in uh, uh, added responsibility to alleviate the harm and when it doesn't. Yes. So, wow. so, so, so to give you an example, again, another example, more mundane example, if, 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 if somebody puts a, 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 a bomb in a restaurant, uh, that's, that's your competitor, you have another restaurant and, 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 you know, as a result, customers go to your restaurant and you see your income increase, mm-hmm. you are a beneficiary of harm. But nobody thinks that in this case you ought to give the, 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 the extra benefits to the, to the owner of the destroyed harm, the destroyed restaurant. So in a way, uh, uh, this is where things become complicated. On what, it, what factors make benefiting from harm a contributor or increases your, your duties to uh, uh, alleviate the harm? And one, it, it doesn't do so. Uh, and this becomes where I try to investigate more clearly what makes benefiting from harm a more relevant factor for alleviating harm and when it doesn't. Wow. Well, we've
0: run out of time, unfortunately. This is an extraordinarily fascinating uh, discussion. Just one last question, if you can give yeah, me a yeah. one a one minute yeah. answer. So when when philosophers um and, and academic um experts like yourselves Study these issues, what do you hope happens with the knowledge or the let's say the conclusions that you come up with, because all your conclusions, like you said, are subjective. You know, almost every point you make can be debated um, in, in one way or, or another. So what is your aim in doing this well, kind of yeah. philosophical analysis?
1: Yeah, I, I hope that not, not all points are uh, uh, are of equal strength. Some mm. things are less debatable than others, so right. we're trying to advance the discussion. But the aim is to make people aware that if you know all the relevant facts, then you still have to also figure out what follows from them normatively huh? uh-huh. so we know what happened there what 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 does follow from that in terms of who should do what huh? yeah so so it 's basically. What we do, what people like me do, is try to uh, clear the normative scene so, yeah. that, so that what follows from understanding the facts normatively is clearer. And yeah. sometimes people don't do that. They simply assume they know the normative considerations and right. they focus only on discovering what happened. But, not, but that's not enough. You have to also figure out what follows from what happened. What yeah. follows from the fact that you have benefited from injustice? Does it follow yeah. that you ought to help more or not? So, and then this will feed in into the deliberation about uh, important issues related to who should do what when it comes to alleviating or preventing harm, which is a very important subject. So it is informing the public debate and the policymakers and the general uh, 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 interested public in trying to figure out who should do what when it comes to alleviating harm, which is a very important thing. And who should do what depends partially partially at least and significantly, I would say, on these normative factors and how we assess them and how much weight we give them in reaching our conclusions about allocating responsibilities. Now, of course, if you decide who should do what, that doesn't follow that they will do it, of course. Well, that takes you uh, into
0: the political realm. The way government...
1: uh, Yeah, yeah, but at least you are clarifying the nature of your claim and then... Pushing mm-hmm. people to comply with it becomes a different uh, uh, activity. Well, that's going to be a, a different question for another episode
0: down the road in the future where we'll talk about more of these issues, inshallah. Uh, we've thanks, so, thanks Ramit. Oh, It
1: was a pleasure. I hope this wasn't uh, 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 too ambiguous and uh, no, uh, people were the, able to follow despite the short time. So.
0: Well, this is, what, this is what professors at AUB do. Some of them study the, you know, uh, chemical composition of drinking water to them. Some of them study historical facts and some of them study these complex philosophical and ethical issues as you do. So the aim is to share this knowledge with the world and I'm particularly happy to always have the chance to bring work like yours to the attention of the public. Bashar Haider is professor of philosophy at the American University of Beirut and the Muhammad Atallah chair in ethics at AUB. Um, I'm your host, Rami Khouri. Thank you for being with us for this episode of Professors at Work, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Bye for now.